Strong Talk with Vicki Baez and JC. Enjoy the show! That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another fantastic episode of HR Talk, excluding Ricky Baez. He is currently on assignment. Some say he's currently at Epcot, getting his full flavor of culture around the world there. No need to do that today, though. Right here on HR Talk, we're going to take you around the globe for a very special topic. And without further ado, we would like to please welcome to the stage, to the floor, to the mic, to the room of HR Talk for her third time on the program, ladies and gentlemen, from Australia, Rachel Nelson. Thank you. Excited to be back. And Rachel, you you didn't come alone. You're bringing friends now. You brought friends now. You've been on the show so many times. People love you being on the show. They love listening to you. They know, you know, you're doing so many amazing. We had that in depth. We went in depth talking about your life and 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 the roots of building Kennedy Global HR, right? And now you're you're bringing other people with you. Who's who's with you today? Uh a lady that just needs no introduction, Kelly Palanti. So Kelly is the CEO of Kennedy Global USA. Oh, you got to love it. Kelly, it's a pleasure. Welcome to HR Talk. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Very excited to be here. Okay, so I got to get this down. How do the two of you know each other? How did this connection come to be to take you to where you are today? networking and conferencing and LinkedIn, I would say, are three three things that uh, <laughs> all business people need, right, to work in the in the workplace. So I rate we were saying, I believe we met first in person at a SHRM conference. We did. But, yeah. Yep. In Chicago. Con- in Chicago. And um, the connection started on LinkedIn, and we met in person in Chicago. And I think I always describe my first um, meeting with Rachel as, um, you know, when you meet from someone from um, outside the country, outside the U.S., uh, we're all very curious about, you know, how things are, are different or the same. And I think one thing that shocked me most is just how much we were the same. Um, we have a very similar background. Um, we're both HR pros, um, 20 years in the business. We've been doing consulting for a long time. We're moms. Um, we've worked from home, done the remote work from home for many, many years before it was fashionable <laughs> during <laughs> COVID. Um, the kind of experience in that area. So yeah, really just connected and um, really uh, just understanding about how some of the things that we deal with every day that here are the same um, across the world, across the globe. And Rachel, when we last left with you, you were talking about standing up kennedy you were talking about making this that global brand taking it to that next level at what point did you say to yourself you know what i know i know what we're gonna do today i've got the perfect person for this at what point did that click in you say kelly's the one i'd sort of been massaging that thought for a while um not long after i established the the brand and you know kelly and i we've just got so much synergy uh and we work so well together that it was just a natural choice and i just reached out to kel and said look got the kennedy brand this is what we you know this is my my vision for it come on the adventure 
and um, and we have, and we're just we're just going great at the moment. So you know, we're very proud of you know where we've gone in, in the short time that the Kennedy brand's been established. All right. So, question for the both of you: When we're talking about your brand and the building of this business and standing things up, at the end of the day. Will you give others the benefit of the doubt when you take a risk or will others give you the benefit of the doubt when you take a risk? That difference between trust and psychological safety, our topic of discussion for today. Some people say that there's a blurred line between trust and psychological safety. For those of us that are novices, me, I'm one. I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm doing good or bad things or, you know, they, they I, you start a job and they say, hey, you're part of the family. Well, families are dysfunctional. Families don't go well. You know, and <laughs> parents are in charge. And then point. we've got kids and kids just listen to what the parents have to say. So if you're an employee in the family, then, well, of course, you don't you don't have to do anything other than just be a kid and listen to what they have to say. Right. And that's the way work works. And you make that widget and you work the overtime for no money. I mean, this is work. This is trust, right? No, 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 no. You know what? I I, I don't know where you've been working, um, JC, but um, for Ricky, for Ricky Bias. Let me tell you, he's in Disneyland. I know, brutal. You know, for, for Kelly and I, it's it's really important. Um, you know, we're we're actually we're so passionate about psychological safety in the workplace, and you know, we've had similar experiences with um, you know previous people we've we've worked with. And one of the things that we say is that we want to create um, a fearless organization where people have the knowledge, the tools, and the confidence to be able to speak up and to to be able to say, well, actually, I disagree with that, or how about we look at it from this angle? So creating a culture of fearlessness in an organisation where where they can be um, honest with themselves and honest with their team and not be, you know, not be questioned on that. But, you know, there's, there's something about, uh, you know, I, I do love the thought of um, positive disruption because I think it's healthy. So that that's something that, you know, sort of is a background of how we feel about psychological safety. But it's also important that organisations realise the benefit well, actually, not only just the benefit of psychological safety in their organisation, but the importance of it. You know, it comes under, well, for, for us here, workplace health and safety. For, for you, it would be the would be OSHA. So, um, is it is it know, the OSHA or is it the, uh, like the NTSB, just get to work and shut your mouth, right, Kelly? Yes. Well, yeah. that's that that's that fear based leadership that we're trying to get away from. You know, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. hopefully um, we're going to get over that because I will, will definitely say that this ne- next generation that's coming up, uh, they surely will not tolerate it. 
Um, Gen Z, yeah, they're they're not going to tolerate um, that type of leadership. There's a whole new gen coming up. Um, you thought the millennials were disruptors. <laughs> um, the ones coming up are going to be, I, I feel like even more so, they're really going to expect a lot uh, from employers. It's not yeah. just a paycheck. It's not just going in. And I think right now that shift is is really changing with employers too because of the yeah. competitiveness for people in the market. They are competing for employees. People are quitting without a place to go. So they know they have to have a different approach right now um, on how they interact with them. And that trust is is really is key is key there. Um, one thing I'd like to say about Rachel and I's organization, and this is what about our website too is you know, empathy, kindness, and respect. That's mm. what we are going to model um, in our organization. And that's what I hope kind of emulates when we talk to others, because even amongst ourselves, like we, we've said, we've had negative, you know, experiences. It, it takes practice with us to not, to still do those things um, in a positive way. And to be mm. honest with each other, simple things like if you're just not feeling mentally there to have that meeting it's okay to reach out to the other person and say hey the kids have this happened with the kids 15 minutes ago can we push that meeting you know 20 30 minutes it's okay without apologizing and feeling guilty mm. about it no oh, that's and, the hardest part right yes and so mm. even though both of her and i we are both on the same page for so many we still find each other doing that and i and you're with each other like it's okay that's Part of this trust is that I know you're not going off and running off to Disney World. I know something's <laughs> really wrong. <laughs> so fitting. So fitting. I love yeah. it. Okay. And, and that's a really good point that, that Kelly's raising, and, and especially um, in these challenging times, that no organization can really afford to go without psychological safety they've invested in their people they've invested in their technologies they've driven the entire workforce to work from home and now we hear the beating on the desk over and over we must get back to the office we must get back to the office and then the paradigm shifts and then we learn more about covid and then we learn more about a new variation and then we yeah. learn that even though you may have been vaccinated, you still could get this, but get uh -huh. back to work, come back to work. It's a mental taxing toll on the employee at the end of the day. How much do you believe in the mission and vision and values of the organization versus the leader that's standing in front of you leading through the lens or the culture of fear? They may turn to you and say, look, I have an open door. Come see me anytime and tell me anything you want. I'm open to that. And they say this publicly. And then you take them up on the offer, you do it. And then on the backside of doing it, that's when the negative stuff happens. That's that blurry line between should I contact the EEOC or just shut my mouth and go with it, right? Because yeah. there could be negative things happening behind the scenes, keeping you back from opportunities because you faced it empathetically, openly, honestly, in a cult, in what you perceived as a culture of trust. But now huh. you're still sitting at home, having the pressure to figure out your life, get back into the office while the rest of your life is still in disarray due to COVID. 
why do you even stick around at that point as an employee? And so talk don't. to me with that right. psychological they're, safety they're, they're, perspective, with this entire umbrella of COVID, of this whole thing. Where where could an organization go from being lip service to actual practice at the end of the day? Mm. And, and that's that's why these conversations are so important to have. And we need to have them at that higher level so they actually understand the benefit all round of psychological safety in their workplace because they are losing people. We saw people had to rapidly adapt to working remotely and we did it. We got there. So we yes. Yeah. We've proven that 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 we can do it. So you know do we have to come back nine to five working at our desk? Or you know, what are the benefits of being having that flexible remote workforce? You know, we need to educate the C-suites on, on the benefits of psychological safety in the workplace and how important it is for retaining their staff. So, so what are those benefits? What are, what are some of the high-level key things that, that you may inform someone about right from the jump of saying, look, it's important to invest in this. It's important to head down this path because X, Y, Z. The end goal is everyone wants to create a workforce um, that is successful. And I know um, Google did, um, they looked into this, the difference between high-performing teams and and low-performing teams. And, you know, they they got about 180 uh, members together. They, They put through about 260 variables and the one thing that came out as the most important difference in what is a high-performing team and what is a low-performing team is the psychological safety factor. And when you look at that, where people are confident and feel okay enough to voice their opinion or their concern, um, you know, on, on what they're doing in their in their place of work, then the end result is you have a better performing team. And not only that, then employ, employees are feeling that they're actually being heard and they're being valued. And that's in 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 organizations like that is just ah oh, huge to feel valued. Absolutely huge. Yeah. I I think really key is these, you know, these, like she said, mentioning these and just using the language, even the language of psychological safety is very mm. new. Um, mm. they, we, we sum this up really as mental health and even saying the words mental health are new <laughs> inside the workplace. This is mm. not something we did, you know, um, you know, five, 10 years ago as, as much as we do now. And I will definitely say, of course, because of pandemic, um, particularly for HR, this is an area that has probably increased, I would say 300 fold. If oh, an yeah. HR department maybe saw, you know, dealt with maybe 3% of their workplace issues were mental health, I would say that would be probably kicked up to 30%. Yeah. 
um, you know, during COVID because there's just, you know, so much to deal with. But I, so the language is key. Number is, is there is key. Uh, mm. With most every bit of change, as we know, it has to start at the top. It has to be the CEO. They have to be invested and believe in this because there's, if they give that light approach, like you mentioned, if they're kind of lukewarm about it, they know they need to do it, but are they really invested? No one else will take it seriously. It won't go anywhere. Um, so it really takes, um, a CEO who understands where the market is now, understands staff and where they're going, because like I mentioned, they're leaving without jobs. You know, that, that great resignation thing is is real. Uh, people are out there floating around. Actually, what, you know, it's kind of becoming, you know, more popular because they're leaving this is contract work. Yeah. They're picking up a lot of contract work while they're trying to figure out, uh, their next move. Uh, because, yeah. you know, it's just, they, they're not going to go back to the workplace. So those are the ones who are forcing in uh, with the remote. It's really uh-huh. hard when your employer sits down and says, look, we'd love to retain you, but I can't pay you San Francisco salaries. I can't pay you a Chicago salary if you're going to move to Topeka. Listen, trust me, boss, Topeka is like no, no, no place you really want to go. No, no, no yeah. ill will against the people of Topeka, but like. Okay, not everyone's going to go there, but if I took my salary, went there, maybe I'd turn Topeka around and I invest in Topeka a little bit. But okay, you're saying I need to take a $20,000 pay cut if I leave the general commuting area, maybe within a three-hour radius if you want to go that far. So if I go just a touch further than that, I need to take a $20,000 cut in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a uncertain economy. It's doing great, though. The economy is doing very good, but... As of right now, you know, people are scared about the next steps of things, right? So you never want to take a take a jump when you don't have to. But if you're living and working and breathing in an organization where you can't even exercise radical candor at the end of the day, yeah. you're, are you doing yourself a service by sticking around? Or are you doing the organization more of a service by sticking around and trying to invoke change, even if it's not from the C-suite? There's a question for you. Mm. it's it's such an important topic to 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 get through to organizations and i know for us here in australia that you know it, it falls under workplace health and safety and you know we have risk management um risk management plans but now we also have to make sure we have psychological risk management risk management plans not just you know the the physical risk management plans so i think we've lost Kel. she's frozen yeah i see that she dropped off uh i'll keep my eyes open to admit her back into the room as soon as she rejoins we could keep pressing forward for the time being not a problem there whatsoever so big question for you you did use the term disruptive right Uh, and and the two of you had mentioned that the next generation of workers coming up might be a little bit more disruptive when we think about like empathy care compassion when we think about radical candor when we think about psychological safety in the workplace creating that environment where you feel comfortable enough to speak up maybe there's not going to be any retribution or negative recourse for you sharing your thoughts values visions or opinions on something that might be contrary to a leader right so when when you're you're thinking about disruptive is it really that disruptive to be normal (laughs) i i don't know 
this is what we want to get across. And and it's actually interesting because um, I'm back. Um, Kelly's back. Just, Kelly just came back, Rachel. Hey. Yeah, she, she she took off to uh, to Disneyland for a little bit. There, oh no, so. seriously, though, no, but for ourselves and the listening audience, there's some big storms in the U.S. between Kelly and I right now. So I yeah. wouldn't mm. doubt it's something along those lines. But it's yeah. it's our pleasure keep chatting up with you right now. So the question I posed to Rachel was uh, about things being disruptive for the future. You know, is it really disruptive if what we're looking to do is just be normal? Are we looking just to be normal? (laughs) No, I think like everything else, like we've already seen over the fence, there's no going back. Yeah. Um, There's no going back. And I'm actually excited. You know, it's interesting. You know, with all the the negatives, there always are positives on the other side. And this, Mm. you know, this has really revealed and kind of pulled back, I would say, the, you know, the blanket really on a lot of the issues that have always existed. This has yeah. always been an issue inside companies. Uh, I think the main thing they're losing out without the psychological safety, safety, what Rachel mentioned, is the innovation. Um, that's really what they're missing. When yeah. someone isn't coming you know, to work as their authentic, true self, they're not going to innovate. If they mm. don't have that trust with their boss, um, they're not going to take risks. And that's what, that's how companies grow. And so that's kind of that, the, one of the reasons I would say, in my opinion, to really have that environment is you want a company that's going to, that's going to succeed. And as you know, when you have a loyal person to the organization, they'll do anything for your company. True. They mm. will market your company for free. They will recruit for your company for free. Um, and a lot of times it doesn't revolve, has anything to do with pay, right? They are there yeah. for how they feel when they go to work. They will yeah. talk about your company. They don't, when they talk about your company, they don't go around telling everybody what they earn there. They go around and saying, my boss is great. The benefits are great. They treat me like this. And then other mm. people say, Ooh, not how much do you make there? I want to work there because I want to feel that way. Well, converse to the employee that says, hey, I can't tell you where I work. No, my boss doesn't want me to mention what I... No, I can't tell you anything. Actually, my employer disallows me to even talk about the workday period. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. It's all confidential. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kelly and I attended um, the... Australian HR, HR conference last week and um, Amy Edmondson uh, was a speaker there and she sort of framed the actress. No, Edmondson. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> you're thinking Adams. I was yeah. thinking Amy um, Adams. Yeah. Cause she's awesome. Right. No, it's Ed- her birthday today too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Happy birthday. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. <laughs> this has nothing to do with you, nothing Amy Adams, but we appreciate you. <laughs> We do. We're on the side. Kelly and I just connected. We have a thing now. I love this. I know. All right, Rachel. So it wasn't Amy Adams. I got it. Okay, go ahead. I'm okay, Edmund. She, she she sort of framed it as um, psychological safety into four categories of of willingness um, to help in the workforce. Um, added the the attitude to risk, taking risks, and um, not being afraid of failure. And that's what Kelly's sort of saying, you know, you know, if you have a psychological, psychologically safe workplace, it tends to be more innovative because people are willing to take those risks and not scared of 
you know, adverse action from failure, um, openness of, of communication and also inclusion and diversity. And this is something that Kelly and I have been working a lot on in the background and, you know, we're, we're really excited that, um, you know, we've, we've joined up with uh, developing talent and they've got this amazing DNI. Um, it's, it's a board game, but there's a digital version as well. And it's all, all about this inclusion, diversity, um, willingness to speak up, psychological safety in, in the workplace. And, you know, that's something that, like, as we're saying, you know, is so important. Inclusion and diversity. Let me ask you about that real quick. So should oh, yeah. should an employer have a very specific quota that they have to fill? Kind of like what we saw out in California where they stated at least one board member on every single company that exists has to have a, a uh, was that a woman or person of color? Women on the board. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Women. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it should, should it be a, a, a strict statistic like that, that an organization should abide by? Or are you saying that there should be more of a change and adjustment within the culture that would then lead them towards a natural flow and fit? Or do you need the metrics and the numerical base to start? A chicken and egg kind of thing yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can comment on the U.S. perspective of that. Go ahead if you want to start from the Australian one. <laughs> you know, there was, it was a very interesting um, look. Uh, we looked at um, the board of companies like BHP and um, BHP Billiton and PwC and just I think 13% on the board of BHP Billiton were women compared to 50% on the board of uh, PwC. And it's, it's all about that level playing field as well, you know, giving women and different minority groups um, you know, equal opportunity in in the workplace to to gain that merit to earn that space. Kelly, yeah. I would say my experience. I've been doing DNI um, probably about fifteen years now, and I'm in the Midwest, um, some conservative areas. And I would say the idea of a metric is very pushed back upon, uh, mainly yeah. because that makes them think of um that they're going what i the immediate response is this is going to make me have to hire someone who is not qualified for the job mm-hmm. because i'm i'm trying to get to a number and so now the quote yes right 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 the quota so now i'm going to be hiring people into my company just to fill this number who are not really qualified um to be in the organization so I, I feel like the number would be pushed back upon a lot and that I, I don't see it happening. However, I'd like to say that again, in the 15 years of D and I, I don't see a lot of movement either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see a lot of progress. And so I would say that the idea that they're just going to do it on their own is probably not, you know, going to happen either because it's not happened thus far. Now, one thing I have tried to focus my more, more my work on because I think that's like inevitable is that if you look around in DNI and a lot in HR, we're the spokespeople for diversity and inclusion and we're mm-hmm. mainly people of color and women. 
Mm-hmm. And honestly, were people of color and women trying to convince mainly white males to change things. And they're look the white males are looking around going, why? <laughs> and so right, right. my my focus has really been on allyship and that you have What's to that? have What's that? Male um, allyship is really um, male, um, male allyship, I would say, is someone in an organization who really speaks on that behalf for women. So says everything that maybe I would say as a DNI, you know, person, a consultant, as a woman's point of view, but say it basically from their perspective. So they're basically translating this information. They're supporting. When we're thinking about allyship, we're really thinking about how men can support us inside the organization because a lot of those conversations happen when we're not in the room so mm. we we need someone there who's basically going to, to speak up and be i want to just say uh, understanding of what the needs are and translating those them when we're not in when we're not there do we need tags though do we need tags and labels for that or could we just get by with uh, adjustments of mindset i've seen it on signatures i've seen it on twitter i've seen it where people put ally at the end of their name but you might also know someone who's not publicly claiming to be an ally but they're technically not a jerk, right? Like maybe at the I, end, of, maybe my moniker at the end is not a jerk, and it's just all yeah. encompassing, right? You know. Well, we would like to go into everything with a good intention and assume right. everyone is comes from a good place first, and then we, you know, we have an experience and we and we go from there. Um, but I, I have a, I have a thing on labels because this, this has been coming up a lot. Um, I hear a lot, of course, in DNI community with, you know, the pronouns too. And, and mm-hmm. here's is my real, you know, reason why. And it's interesting. A lot of people push back against even pronouns when they are supportive of, of the community, even because they don't like the idea of label. Um, and so, but my thing is the re- what that label is there for is just to let others know that you are a safe person. You are a person. Now, I don't know that by looking at you, but if you have that tag at the end of your name, I know it's safe to reach out to you to do, to ask you things, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's, you know, this, the, the point of it. It's not that you nearly need the label. It's, it's allowing what, how others, you know, kind of, can feel in your presence even before it's almost like establishing a, that trust before you've even spoken ceos looking to take the next step curious about improving the psychological safety within their organizations huh. what do they do where do they go who do they call they call someone like you now they got you on the line what do you do you come in you give a presentation a board game do you convince it do you get do you get them drunk like, how do, how do you convince them it's a good idea to invest in this? Because from their perspective, let's be that devil's advocate for a second here. They, yeah. they already invested. They, they invested in an EAP program. Everyone's got that phone number. You got a mental health concern. You call, they call the EAP. That's what, You know what? We're all in on EAP. We promote the heck out of EAP. We're all in. We're, we're way past EAP now. You know, yeah. we, we've got to be far more invested in in the psychological safety space you know we need to frame our conversations and our language um to just demonstrate the importance to organizations to employees of that space um so yes you know kelly and i are are rolling out this um this board game um equally yours and um you know through developing talent and it's 
to educate and encourage and really, really change the language going on in organisations. You know, let, let's positively disrupt organisations to a point where psychological safety becomes as important as employees' physical safety. Yeah. I would say an EAP is, is mental health for the individual and psychological safety is mental health for the organization. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen is that it's been targeted for individuals when they have an issue that comes up and it hasn't been targeted as a whole where all executives, all leaders understand. And it's going to take a lot of work. Um, this is an, a huge emotional intelligence leap for a lot of people and it's not going to be something they're going to learn overnight. (laughs) Um, So definitely, you know, what's in our toolbox is, you know, assessments of part of everything else because you have to meet people where they are. Okay. There's no one size fits all where you're going to come in and say, here's a program, you know, and lay it out for everyone. Um, Every industry is different. As we mentioned, remote and, you know, some are in, some are out. It's it's definitely going to have to be particular to it, to a company. So yeah. we, we, we give surveys to our employees. Again, I'm still on this devil's advocate thing, right? We give surveys <laughs> to our employees. We ask them how they're doing. We, <laughs> we want to know a lot about what's going on. Okay, you're telling me there's a reluctance to speak up. We have a lack of innovation. Now we also have a reluctance to speak up. But we let them take that survey anonymously, right? <laughs> anonymously. <laughs> we don't know who they are, right? We have no idea. They're reluctant to speak up. They are reluctant (laughs) to speak up. And and it's true. We don't know who took that survey. But it reaches a point where the employees broke. The employees broken. They broke down. They're done. They're not going to communicate effectively to anybody anymore because they're getting their back stabbed. They're not going to jump out in front of that bus with a a mind-bending shift of innovation anymore because they're giving up on investing in the future of the organization on themselves they'll do their job top tier they'll they'll be a rock star within your org you ask them to do one cut above the line they're turning their back on you because you've stabbed their back again and again and again and again how aside from the upsell let's say further down the line okay and i'm sorry to use the word upsell it was just kind of like you know we we're talking it's about okay. you know the flashbang right so aside from the initial push later on down the line how do we get that employee that's reluctant to speak up to effectively speak up and feel comfortable to be within that? The only thing they might recognize or know is that if if the boss, Ted, gets fired, I'll probably invest my time in the organization again. Does it have to go down like the movie office space or no? Well, as we've as you probably know, there's an old line is that people work for managers. They don't work for companies. Right. Right. So it does, I mean, like that top down, you know, it has to, you know, has to start and really end there. So it's about building relationships and it's about, like I said, it's almost like that, like when you have that um, tag that says your pronoun or you have a tag that says your ally, if you're a company that takes psychological safety seriously, that's your tag. That's what you're, you're telling your employees, Hey, 
we talk about this here. We make this a priority. So even using the language or having someone like us come into your company, they'll say, hey, we had someone like this come in and talk to us about this. Um, no one's done this for us you know, before. And so um, I, I believe that this is going to be a competitive edge uh, moving forward w- with all companies. Are we going to see um, more they- of a roadblock in the C-suite or more of a roadblock in the frozen middle? I would lean. I would lean a little bit more towards the frozen middle myself. I I don't know what. What do you think? Well, that that's where you know we we come in and and we we talk to them. We frame that language in that way that is positive to their understanding. So we're having those conversations and we're talking about you know the benefits of this not only for their employees but for for their organisation as well. And like Kelly said, it's not a, a one peg, peg fits all, you know, everyone's going to be different. Every organisation is going to be different. And to even come in and have that conversation is going to give those organisations that, that competitive edge over others. But it's you framing know, that language. I do really believe it still starts with the C-suite because yeah. what I always find interesting to sometimes the C-suite uh, when they they have us come in and they'll have us do training for leadership and we'll be teaching leaders, you know, the middle management, how to do performance reviews and how to do all these. And then I'll turn to the C-suite and say, well, who's going to do it for them? Who's going to performance management these leaders? Because it basically only happens. It's the trickle down. That's how you trickle it. <laughs> That's what you call trickle down. If, if they are treated that way, they will, again, they'll see the benefit of it and they will treat their own employees that way. So it takes the C-suite taking their time to invest as well. Building yeah. the layers of accountability, building that circle of trust, yeah. building the proper environment to openly talk about whatever you need to without negative reprise scoop independent news we're gonna head over to new zealand real quick we are not in the current events segment but uh, scoop independent news did state one of the most important aspects when running a business and ensuring the health and safety of staff it's imperative to correct it is imperative correct measures are taken so employees stay motivated healthy and safe said employer health and safety manager larry drusen an employer has a duty of care that expends to anywhere that an employee can perform work. Employers must consider all scenarios and whether an employee's home is a safe working environment. They must ensure they're doing right by their staff and are compliant with health and safety legislation. Mm-hmm. New Zealand. Are they going door to door checking your home to see if you're ergonomically set up at the kitchen table over there? I don't know. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I know for us, you know, we're we're having these Zoom interactions with employees and, um, you know, seeing what their work environment is. Again, asking the questions and making sure that they're they're okay and feel safe enough to respond, um, you know, to generally how they are, how they are physically, where they're at mentally where they're at emotionally um you know to have those conversations and know that that's a safe space that they can talk about those things kelly thoughts i would say that i (laughs) my train of thought sorry (laughs) yeah 
at the end of the day, uh, let's root back it back up, to yeah. New Zealand real quick Sorry. here, if we could. <laughs> when we're talking about keeping that workplace safe and healthy at home, at home. what okay. are some of the Sorry. best ways when we're thinking about that psychological safety perspective to take an employee and help elevate that within their framework, as well as reframe that discussion within the organization for that home safety aspect? You know, the home safety asset, I would say, is, again, just one of those new avenues that we're moving into now because uh, remote work was always something people kind of did on the fly. They they went out, they came back in, and now there's so much permanence um, to it because of the pandemic now, too. And, and we say post-pandemic, but uh, we just want to clarify that Rachel is in pandemic, <laughs> Right now, yeah. Rachel's in, in serious lockdown. Um, no, right. So this is really not a post situation, really. We're we're still currently, you know, in this. Yeah, and we, so we, we can only leave our, our house for for one hour a day for for exercise or for an essential essential reason. But I think we're in week nine of a hard lockdown. Yeah. And as we know, this can return to the U.S. or any other, you know, country and New Zealand, you know, in lockdown, too. So, you know, I I think that we just have to get comfortable with the idea of, first of all, just flexibility. That has to be a key word. Um, I'm actually not that keen on the hybrid work environment because I feel like it lacks that that flexibility. I, I don't think there needs to be a particular day, et cetera, when people are, are set you mm. know, to come in. Um, because again, most everything is project based to me. It's like if you're working with a team, if you're on a project and you have to, and you need to get together because it's beneficial for you all to, to wrap up or maybe a couple days, then you get together. Right. And if there's no like, you know, then you, you're not remote those couple days. You're in person, though, you know, those couple of days. So I definitely think the flexibility has has got to stay there i'm just wrapping my head around the fact of like you know still having to see ted one day every two to three weeks and complimenting him on his new jordash jeans every time i'm telling you (laughs) iso iso four five zero zero three i have no concept what the heck that is before the show began kelly mentioned hey yeah no iso four five zero zero three and she kept going i was like wow I thought I was like, yeah, no, I'm like, I'm sitting down with like the world's best lawyer right now. Like, I don't even know what these numbers are. Like, what is that? What does it mean? And how does that fit into the discussion? Because up to this point, Kelly, Rachel, this is psychological safety is some hippie trash, right? I mean, this is just crystals and essential oils and talking to your friends and, and maybe a DJ to crops so they grow better or something, right? Like, that's that's <laughs> yeah. psychological safety, no? Well, that's definitely the old way to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as, as Kelly mentioned to you, um, JC, there's an international standard and, and both Kelly and myself, um, you know, because we do value this space, uh, we've gone through and we've we've done that uh, certification there on the international standard for, for psychological safety. Um, and it's it's a conversation that we want to keep perpetuating. You know, we want it to be top and foremost and relevant um, because we believe in it so much. So so for leaders out there, for leaders out there that aren't even aware, there's an actual standard that defines what these psychological safety definitions are and and drives an actual certification, right? 
So what's interesting is, is the ISO, of course, that's been around a long time. You know, many companies, you know, are familiar with that. And this is actually the, the, the 45003 is under um, the occupational health standards. So they're really taking mental health and putting it underneath OC health category. And so to me, that really elevates the idea of having mental health on the same level as physical health. And that's what we've been pushing for. So yeah, this is so new. This is offered 21. This is, that's how new this just just came out 2021. And um, it's the first global psychological um, health standard. It states here on the piece that I've found, psychological hazards can occur in a combination with one another and can influence and be influenced by other hazards. Psychological risk relates to the potential of these types of hazards to cause several types of outcomes on individual health, safety, and well-being, and on organizational performance and sustainability. The piece goes on to state, it is important that psychological risks are managed in a manner consistent with other occupational health and safety risks through a management system and integrated into the organization's broader business process integrated into the broader business process break that yeah. down break that down for us like i mentioned previously um they say that you know we have risk management plans in place for for physical hazards you know how to, to mitigate those risks and what and what to do what are the outcomes we now need to have them for psychological risks we, we now need to assess our space and, you know, think and view what are the psychological hazards in our workspace and how do we mitigate that risk. And if, and if something happens and, and you find yourself, you know, before, uh, you know, a court, then you're going to need to show that you've actually taken steps as an organisation to mitigate those risks. Ah, ah, got it, got it. So we're in a position where we are short-staffed. And we are going to mandate the people, due to the nature of our work, that they do have to work 12 to 14-hour shifts, seven days a week, on mandate, until we can build up that employee base, unfortunately. And through that time, it doesn't matter whether or not you've been with the organization for a year or 15 years, we're going to treat everyone the same, and it's mandatory across the board, have to do it. And now your employees are wearing down. It's been six months. They're starting to question whether or not they're going to retire with you. But you're literally just trying to keep the facility running. Maybe it's a hospital. Maybe it's an emergency room. These workers, they, they've done so much for us through this whole pandemic. And now we're, we're, at the, we're at this tide where things are turning a bit and the staff isn't always there anymore. We see it. We all know it. We've heard the stories. We've read the stories. So when we're thinking about that particular employee that's on the edge of the burnout, that's on the edge of that that 21st day of their 12-hour shifts in a row, right? What what could we do as an organization to reframe that and, and, and to try to tackle that from a psychological safety perspective without actually having all the bodies at hand that we need to, to fill those roles? It's, it's hard for the C-suite too, right? Mm transparency and that's trust 
Um, you have to be honest with people and that's where the trust factor comes in. If you trust your, if you trust your staff, you can confide in them and tell them what's honestly going on in the organization because that makes them feel a part of it. Then they yeah. are bought, they will buy in so much if you include them. Um, so I, I, that's probably one of the biggest, I would say, I would say the most difficult things for C-suites to do really is, is to allow, to allow that buy-in process there to, to open the door to open the door to open that the discussion. Door. yeah let them see what's yeah. happening we're being yeah. transparent across the board now that changes things right okay granted yeah we're still gonna have coffee talk in the morning maybe kelly's gonna sit down and give you the real deal yeah. scoop and then we'll go into the meeting right who knows <laughs> everyone has their own personal connection right but mm-hmm. if you're leading that business from a clear and transparent perspective you're exactly i couldn't agree with you more Rachel, you look like yeah. you disagree, though. No? No, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm trying to stir the pot. I'm trying to get the two of you to argue. <laughs> he needs it's... a devil's advocate now. <laughs> it makes sense, though. Right. Transparency yeah. across the board. So then if you're not being transparent and you're just barking orders and you're demanding mandates and you're demanding more of the employee and the employee is continuing to show up through the entire pandemic and now they're burning out and it's just one thing after another after another, this is why we have unions or this is why we leave organizations or this is why we have an EEOC or this is why we have a myriad of different options. Like I it's, yeah. it's, it's blinding at the end of the day. You don't want to head down any of those paths, right? No. Or you don't want them heading to a place like Glassdoor and writing a review about you. Um, because to me, that's one of the most damaging things that can happen to an organization is their reputation. Uh, that I, you will say in this competitive market, this employee market right now, there's no doubt they are looking into companies, um, and they want to see how they're treating their people. If they're going to make a leap and go to a new org right now, they want to see what, what it's like inside that company. And if people are saying they're leaving because they've been mistreated by, by managers, by leaders, you can bet that's going to damage their competitive edge when they're trying to get talent. <laughs> Ms. Nelson, you seem to disagree again. No? I am completely on the same page as oh, Kelly. I love it. I love it. The synergy. It works so well together. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. You go on the internet, you see psychological safety, you see a lot of buzzwords, you see a lot of you see a lot of signs, you see a lot of factoids. You see uh, a lot of articles over the past 30 days where this is becoming more and more of a thing and you see a lot of employees that are actually not even bothering with EAP programs that are turning to individual social workers, psychologists, people in between. Yeah. And guess what? Hand over fist. They're not taking new patients across the country. Now, look, that's just a statement. I don't have any hardcore facts to back that up, but prove me wrong. Anyone listening right now, go prove me wrong. Find me the statistics mm. out there that so, that the people that can provide the proper mental health counseling are not overtaxed and overburdened right now. So many people out there just graduating with those degrees and diplomas, they're, they're going to be at the forefront of a very hot-button business here if they are a, a yeah. licensed social worker or a psychologist or somebody that could help out because these times are not normal. This is not normal, and we're being told this is the new normal, and it's okay if this is the new normal, but treat me normal then. Yeah. <laughs> it's, if, if it's the new normal, we're still, as you know, even if 
even if this is the new normal, which we haven't gotten to yet, as we said, we're still in it. You know, there's something called like PTSD we're going to have for years. This is going to take some restorative therapy, um, not only for individuals, but for organizations to have gone through this. You're so true, Mm. especially when you're thinking about the kids. You're thinking about kids in school. You you had a situation where they are living their lives day to day. They're seeing their friends. They're enjoying Halloween. They're doing whatever they're doing, you know. Look at me. I went straight to like the the uh, demonic holidays right there, right? It's all, it's so, coming up. It is coming up. I love Halloween. I love the fall. I love apple cider, the donut, the apple cider donuts. They're so good. There was this place. Okay, side journey real quick. We're doing this. So up in the Berkshires where I used to live, right? Uh, outside the Berkshires. There's this place called Atkins, the Atkins uh, Apple and Donut Cider uh, Magical Kingdom, I think it's called. I, <laughs> I, they didn't pay to be on the show, and I don't know their exact name. But you would go there, and you would get your apple cider, and you would get these a dozen apple cider donuts. And they were just like yeah. little bits of heaven covered in, in apple and and and. And sugar, and just lots of sugar. Uh. The most amazing sugar, the best sugar, the biggest sugar. It was amazing sugar, great sugar. Couldn't go wrong. Look at that, the donuts, the fall. Here we are. Uh, oh my god, it's coming. Apple you know cider. As we're talking about things that kind of strike up memories and and remind us of better times. You know, there is something oh. within the show that we forgot to do. Folks let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Let's get you by. Inspirational quotes, not with Ricky Baez. He's currently at Disney. So with that, I'd like to turn over our inspirational quotes segment right now to... Well, I'm, Rachel, I'm going to offer it to you, but if you pass to Kelly, I'm not going to be mad either. So please, one of the two of you, our inspirational quote of the week, over to you. Oh, you put me on the spot on there. On the spot. On the spot. <laughs> oh, I, you, you know what? I'm just going to default back to, um, yeah, positive disruption. That was a good one. It is is a benefit to an organization. Positive disruption is a benefit to the organization. (laughs) Now you're not going to forget it. I'm telling you. The inspirational quote of the week with Rachel Nelson this week instead of Ricky Bias, ladies and gentlemen. Big kudos. Thank you for taking that on the spot, Rachel. I appreciate that more than you even know. And so does America. America thanks you right now. Truly does. Hey, guess what? (laughs) It's that time. We're heading down the path. It's time for Current Events. Current Events this week is brought to you in part by Biosco Learning, but also the Kennedy Group. Kennedy Global? HR? Kennedy Global. <laughs> Stop by the Kennedy website for the global HRings. What's your website again? Kennedy Global HR. There it is. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. I'm sorry about that. I'm not good at these things. But I'll tell you what, as a listener, when you hear that, it it just rings true. And then you're going to go there. And you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. Our first article that's uh, being tipped out here on the uh, current events train for the both of you to chew on and comment and chime directly in. Why corporate family is the antipode of psychological safety at work? And this was written by Aslam Saragulu, a Forbes Council member and the entire Forbes 
Coaches Council chimed in on this one. Stop by Forbes.com for the full piece. So I'm just going to give you a clip from this right here. Companies that accurately describe their culture as family end up offering many of the same horrific experiences that you would encounter working with your actual family members. This is funny. I said the same thing at the start of the show. It's so true. Well, many of today's savvier employers have moved beyond calling their workforce families. It remains a cultural hook. Sure, family is a universal value, so it's easy to gravitate towards a corporate value. However, there's many reasons why a family culture is counter to progressive workplace priorities, such as growth, trust, invention, and respect they go on to state patriarchal matriarchal i hope i said that right leadership right they're saying that this turns into like a big thing like you shouldn't do this these aren't leaders who perpetuate an environment that embraces growth it encourages coaching and celebrates innovation they are threatened by those who openly pursue greater responsibility and challenges the status quo the mother and father leaders instead take steps to stunt their employees' growth. They safeguard the status quo, and they use terms such as, and this is outside the article, but it's honest. They use terms like, that person's like my son. They're like my son. I love that person like my son. The Forbes article. It's a much longer article. I'm only giving a tip of the iceberg. Stop by Forbes.com to check it out. Looking for your radical candor feedback, input, advice, and recommendations. Over to the two of you. Well, I would say what you just said there is probably the prime example of why you would not want a family-orientated workplace is that um, you're signaling out one person and calling them a favorite, which is, you know, as a parent, isn't even a thing you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> you want to talk about therapy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So I think that, um, and I, yeah, I like the idea that, um, you know, they're not parents, um, like that they're not the matriarch and patriarch, you know, of the organization. Um, because you're right inside families, those are sometimes the ones that you don't push back against, you know, and not push back against your mother and father the way you would, um, that you would maybe inside the organization to be, take more risk there. So I do like the idea of, of moving away from the family orientated workplace. Mm. Ms. Nelson, and, and what, is that? what is family you know if we refer back to you know our last podcast and how my family was was put together you would not want that in an organization <laughs> right right i'm sorry i'm laughing with you not at you i'm laughing yeah, with you, you. Yeah, with right. you yeah <laughs> yeah so and, and exactly what kelly said you know you feel like if you look at the mum and the dad then you know you aren't going to have that that um that space where you feel it's okay and it's safe to to push back and to and to challenge and to to question so it it'd probably be a good idea at the end of your name if if you are going to put a label there don't put work mom. No. Maybe don't do no. that. Maybe right? not. Yeah, I also push back against this when people say they have a work husband and a work wife. Also Talk don't like that. Talk to mm, me about that. I don't know about that. It's weird, yeah, I right? Hear- it, I find it very weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I hear it and people say it so casually. Um, but you know, just the idea of the label itself to me, I don't like, of course, the yeah. idea that you're calling another person, your husband or wife, who is not your husband or wife, uh-huh. uh, particularly if you already have one. Um, but I, it just, again, an idea that, that, that it kind of bonds two people together. 
and that there's not room there then, right? There's not room for other people to, I would say, collaborate with them. It kind of, mm-hmm. I would say, kind of puts them off on their own, yeah. like their own little island together. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the husband and wife. Or, or, or that group <laughs> of people that actually, like, create fake relationships for people, right? Like, you may oh. not you may not intentionally say, oh, this is my work husband or my work wife, but everyone else is saying it because Ted said sure. that. And now that Ted said that, it carries on with you, and it's all this back chatter. And that's not oh, a psychologically man. safe place to exist when people oh, can't no. talk to your face, but they want to talk behind your back. <laughs> your next story is coming to us from Inc.com. Inc.com, Jessica Stillman, our author here. The title of the article, A Toxic Workplace Triples Your Risk of Depression, according to a brand new study. Again, here on HR Talk, we just give you a little bit of the article. Go check it out in full if you desire. Once again, a toxic workplace triples your risk of depression. A new study finds by Jessica Stillman. So it states here, toxic teams kill both success and mental health. Uh The study was run out of the University of South Australia and recently published in the British Medical Journal. Its basic premise was simple. Follow a group of workers over a year to see who among them is diagnosed with serious depression. Then, check to see what workplace factors are influencing people's chances of mental health issues. After the numbers were crunched, the results were crystal clear. If you work at a company that doesn't value your psychological well-being, your risk of depression just doesn't go up a little bit. It shoots up 300%. And Kelly, I think you said that earlier today in our in our yeah, chat. The three hundred. The three hundred, right? Mm-hmm. My God, did the did the two of you write this article? Did you contribute? Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> God. What That's does, how commonplace this knowledge is becoming though. It's yeah. great. Yeah. This is great. So it goes on to say the research team evaluated companies' commitment to mental health using a standard scale that asked workers to agree or disagree with statements such as senior management acts decisively when a concern of an employee's psychological status is raised and senior management considers employee psychological health to be as important as productivity. Clearly they don't or clearly employees don't feel that way. Uh, nice article. It was published July 28th of 2021, just a few weeks old. It's not that old. Stop by Inc.com. Check that out. Kelly or Rachel, over to you. I definitely, definitely agree. You know, we we spend so much of our time and we invest so much of ourselves in our workplace. And if it's toxic and if it's negative, and these are, again, both experiences that Kelly and I have, have had and, and we've shared um, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, we want to continue this conversation and um, show the importance of having a psychologically safe workspace yeah. is to prevent these things, to prevent um, earlier in the process, um, you know, people's risk of depression or people's risk of an anxiety. Um, like Kelly mentioned previously, we we are already in a space that we are just, this is not normal. We're going to have fallout from, from this pandemic in, the, in, in PTSD. Uh, we already have, you know, fallout in, in the mental health space. So we, we need to take this seriously. 
And I think even terms like depression, I'm again, I'm I'm excited that these things are starting to come to fold because people don't understand a lot of even what depression is. And so mm. I think when we talk about that, because some people think you're depressed if you're sitting in your room by yourself, like with the you know the blinds drawn for you know for many hours. Right. Um, a, a happy go lucky person can be depressed. There are other ways um, to to see depression in people and to, to find signs of depression. And so I think that is, uh, you know, another key in, in the education, you know, moving forward here is that it's not going to be these old, this old thinking, like I said, the old hippie thing of like, this is mental health. The same thing with right. depression. That's a person who's crying. That's a person who's sad. That's not what depressed always is. And so we definitely yeah. need new, um, not only emotional intelligence, but definitely just a broader understanding of the field in general, mental health. What would the two exactly. of you say to the employee that's listening right now that's not that leader? The employee that's living this, experiencing this every day, might be in the midst of something awful and, and traumatic to them, and that's uh. what they're feeling on the inside, and they don't feel like they have anywhere to go. What, what would you say to that employee? Mm. And, and this is um, this is something that you know we're, we're really advocating for as well is mental health first aid offices and you know as a as a brand um, you know we we are accredited mental health first aid officers and so we would say to that employee reach out to us call us message us text us because we are so passionate about helping people in this space that we want to we want them to engage with us and to have those conversations and you know because we are accredited in that mental health um first aid space we have you know a whole toolkit that we can offer people so yeah let's let's get this conversation happening I think with everything, like I mentioned with allyship before, this there's, can, allyship could definitely take place, you know, here as well. You have to be able to mm. find someone you trust in the organization. And if that unfortunately isn't someone that you're reporting to, um, eventually you're going to probably have to make a, a change, I would say, because if you can't trust the person you're talking with to tell them about your situation, how can they possibly make it better? And mm. you can find, you know, an ally, someone to confide in the organization who can maybe strategize with you or maybe help you if we want to talk with someone like us and we can bring these things inside the organization. Um, and maybe it's better to do that with more than one person. But I... I don't know. I have a hard time really seeing how this is going to to really not not change the industry. We have a current event article that we just have to talk about today, and I guarantee you're going to find a way to tie it back to psychological safety. <laughs> Your next piece is coming to us from Market Watch, but you can literally like read this and see this anywhere. We've all seen this over the past couple of days. Disgruntled HR executive trashed personnel files and deleted 17,000 resumes after being fired. The former head of HR at 1-800-ACCOUNTANT has been convicted of maliciously destroying the company's personnel files and deleting thousands of resumes for prospective employees after she had been fired. Federal prosecutors say the employee, 41 years old, out of Tampa, Florida, had been let go June of 2019, just six months after the New York-based online accounting firm for 
Wait, what? That's a terrible sentence. Just six months at the New York-based online accounting firm for poor performance. Oh, okay. Well, I guess the one eight hundred accounting thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was just a shitty article right there. I mean, that's a really bad <laughs> sentence. Like, I'm not even going to say who the author of this was. That was terrible. Like, there's other better <laughs> writers out there. If you're in college doing the writing right now and you listen to this, because I know there's a huge master's HR program that listens to the program, be better writers. Just be better. Support each other. Do good things. Okay? So as the f- employee was being fired over the phone, colleagues reported seeing her repeatedly hitting the delete key on her computer, according to prosecutors. Hours after being escorted out of the company's St. Petersburg, Florida office where she worked, the lady then logged into an outside computer system used by the firm to manage its job applications. She then deleted resumes for 17,000 people and left messages containing profanity throughout the files, according to prosecutors. The, the, the former employee intentionally and maliciously caused severe damage to the computers of her former employer, said Audrey Strauss, acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Her actions wiped out information vitally important to the employer company and the cost the company money and time to repair. Her attorney officially declined to comment. Investigators said the company has spent over $300,000 over two years to build the entire system that she wrecked and is going to cost them $100,000 more to get it working again. Many files were unable to be retrieved, According to prosecutors, a message was then in turn sent to 1-800-ACCOUNTANT and it was not returned to the author of the article for comment and feedback. A lot going on in that story right there. Over to the two of you. I am familiar with this story. It's crazy, <laughs> <familiar>. right? <laughs> yeah, and I'll, look, I'll tell you my response. So when I read it, of course, my, my first thought was what happened to this person (laughs) to make her respond this way. And then I jumped on Twitter and I, the HR community there, and I started reading about what other HR professionals were saying about this article and they were horrified by her behavior. And that's all the comments were. Which I was surprised because my first thought was, you know, what happened to someone to do this? Because um, I also like looked into her a little bit more details on LinkedIn. And from the face of it, you would never, ever guess that this person would do something like that. It it makes you wonder, like, what really went down? Was it inside? Was it psychologically inside of this employee? Was there an external source? From the former work husband gone awry? Oh, I used the term. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> I can, if, if you can, if you can, look, I, from the article, the number one thing they did wrong, you could probably guess, Rach, when he read it, what did they immediately do wrong um, from the first Over step? the phone. Over, over the, phone. the phone. I was like, over the phone? Well, of course, she was deleting as they were doing it over the phone. Well, if they were meeting with her face-to-face like a human being, that wouldn't have been happening. Yeah. That part would have been happening. So It's interesting, um, Kelly, because, you know, when I first heard about that, my reaction was exactly the same. What happened to this woman? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't ex- excuse the behavior. It may explain no, it. No. But my first reaction was, what happened 
to make her do that. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't happen in our profession very often because we're most HR people, confidentiality is like our number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all about saving people's, you know, personal information and safeguarding that no matter what happens. Yeah. And so the idea that somebody would do that, of course, that's why everybody in the community was so appalled. They're like, oh, I can't believe she deleted resumes. I can't believe, you know, this happened. Um, but yeah, my first thought was like, Rach, is that I'm thinking the broader. It's like, what's going on in this org? And if mm-hmm. I were an HR person, they're putting a job ad up, I would for sure hesitate to apply to replace this person. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, from the outside looking in, from like an employee perspective, if you are trying to get a job there, definitely send 17,001 resumes. One might get through. I mean, it's that simple. Like, I... I just, oh, it's too soon. Can you imagine? It's too I know. soon. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. Florida Man. Florida Man stories wrapping up the program here on HR Talk. That's right. A regular flagship Sunday show with the crew here. I'm telling you, Kennedy Global. It's going to be a great one. Look, this one's coming to us from the Miami Herald. A Florida man was arrested Tuesday for pulling a knife on a gas station employee in Largo, Florida, after a fuss over a Snickers bar turned violent, according to a police report from the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. Deputies responded to a call around 7.45 p.m. from a Wawa employee who was being threatened over a Snickers. Deputies made contact with the victim, who said that Eric Minto, 49 years old, had come into the store asking for Snickers for free. When he was denied, Minto reportedly pulled out a pocket knife and pointed it at the employee. Don't make me do something stupid for Snickers, Minto told the victim. (laughs) According to the complaint, the worker complied, and he was in fear of his life at that time, according to the affidavit. Minto ended up walking out of the store without the Snickers, leaving it on the counter. Soon after, deputies tracked down the Clearwater man, who is now facing a charge of robbery with a deadly weapon. Post-Miranda, Minto admitted to opening up the knife, but said he merely wanted to trade it for the chocolate bar, according to the affidavit. (laughs) He's currently being held on $10,000 bond, awaiting trial, according to jail records. From the Miami Herald. Over to you. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, was it a frozen Snickers bar? Was it the protein Snickers bar? <laughs> you know? He didn't even get the Snickers. That's what the sad part of the story is. He didn't even get it. <laughs> All right, I so, mean, they might have some in commentary now. <laughs> all right. So, so from the HR perspective, we always try to root it back to HR. Think about the perspective of the employee that just had a pocket knife opened up and pointed at them in a deadly manner. Was it the appropriate thing to do, handing the Snickers over and then calling the police later, or should he have fought? Oh, wow. Yeah, you hand everything over. That's what we always say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's worth your life (laughs) or anything. Snickers bar is definitely not. (laughs) Not. (laughs) Gotta love those Florida stories, I tell you. It takes you back to simpler times. All good. All right. So we're at that time in this program where we have free reign for a little bit and we have some final thoughts. We're going to go around the room from one person to the next. And I would like to first open up the floor to Kelly. 
for your final thoughts. It doesn't have to be like two or three words. Like literally take a minute, take five, take 12. It's up to you. Final thoughts. Over to you. Final thoughts. Well, first I want to thank JC for having us on the show. So excited to be here and have this opportunity um, to be able to talk about Kennedy Global HR and what we're doing in the psychological safety space. Um, and basically how we're going to help change the mental health of world inside organizations. So this has given us an opportunity, I think, to elaborate what um, Rachel has said and just to get talking about this topic, to get the words out there, um, to get the word psychological you know, safety out there so people can start to feel more comfortable with this language. I feel like this is just the beginning, as we said, of, of this work. And so we're kind of, we're excited, even though that sometimes, as we mentioned, the pandemic, obviously there's a lot of, you know, downsides to it. This, I'm going to consider one of the ups. It's going to really change organizations for, for in a good way. Yeah. Rachel Nelson, final thoughts. JC, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. And I'm just... I'm just excited about this space. I'm excited because there's an opportunity to create real change in organisations that affect real people. And, you know, Kelly and I, we are just on the same wavelength with this. You know, we're, we're so passionate about it. We've experienced it. We want to help organisations change that culture. We want to position organisations as... Um, as an employer of, of, of choice, you know, attract people because of how they treat people and um, and just to perpetuate that, that conversation um, and get that out there that, you know, we are here to help. We want to help. This is more than, um, more than just a topic for us. It's something that really... Um, really goes to the core of our organisation of Kennedy Global. Um, so whether that's us coming in and, and doing audits, whether that's us, you know, becoming a um, mental health first aid officer for an organisation, whether it's creating those psychological risk management plans, we, we will do all of that. We can do all of that. Whether it's coming in with the, the Equally Yours game board and, and educating um, and creating that language, you know, we are in on this. We want to be in on this. We want to change culture. We want to perpetuate the conversation. All right, within my final thoughts here, before I even give you my final thought, I've got a question for the both of you, what what makes you as an organization different or better than someone who might just be located solely in Australia or solely within the United States to help their respective countries? What is your advantage? I guess we've got that global reach. Um, you know, we, we uh, cross continents. Uh, we we knowledge share. We have those networks um, and. In, in this space, the point of difference, I think, for us is it comes from our very core, you know. The, we, we desperately want these conversations to happen. We are passionate about these conversations. Kelly, are, are things that much different in the U.S. compared to Australia within this arena? 
Um, within this arena, I would say one of the major differences is as access. One of the things, as you know, and you mentioned earlier, when you uh, talked about just even access to mental health care professionals. Um, so the access is, diff- is more difficult here. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit sometimes I'm a little bit jealous of some, how sometimes how the systems work just a little bit easier for people there. Um, and then even what men- Rachel mentioned, the mental health safety officer, that's not something that exists here in the U.S. And I would love to see more of that. Um, moving forward. I think that's, that's an, uh, something that we could adopt here um, very easily. I mentioned that, you know, HR folks definitely need to be more versed in the mental health space, but we are going to get to a point where we're going to need a particular person dedicated to that inside organization. Inside yeah. organization. Okay. I'm, I was yeah. picturing that they have a squad car, they drive around. <laughs> like, like I, I didn't like know. Safety officer, yeah. just like the safety officer who goes around and makes sure the cords are tucked in, and say, same thing with the mental health safety officer. They're going to do those same kind of checks. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that we can offer offer organizations now because you know, as, as I said, we're accredited in that space. So, um, that to answer your question, that uh, you know, we've we've got so many points of difference, um, and we're excited about this space. Well, Kelly and Rachel, uh, this has truly been my pleasure to have you on HR Talk. It's unfortunate Ricky Baez couldn't be here today. All jokes aside, he did have a, uh, a prior commitment that he couldn't get out of today. Uh, but hopefully sometime in the near future, the four of us will have the opportunity to sit down and chat once again. But truly has been a pleasure for me today and the entire HR Talk listening audience. What are some of the best ways people could find you online? Definitely visit our website, um, KennedyGlobalHR.com, and we're on the socials as well. We mentioned LinkedIn. That's where Rachel and I got connected. Um, definitely very active on the community there. Um, Twitter, Instagram, we're out there. Look for us. We've been writing a lot of articles, and we've got some new things coming out soon as well. So please follow us on the socials. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to be back here once again for HR Talk. I believe it's episode 311 of HR Talk. Keeping the show rolling here. I'm JC. On behalf of Rachel, Kelly, the entire production staff and crew that we have over here at HR Talk, our new interns. Once again, big kudos going out to them and Ricky Byers for facilitating making some of those things happen. Clearly only in name because his ass isn't here today. Once again over at Disney, but that's fine. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. Have a good night.